Welcome to Sound Medicine, mantras and music podcast, where you will hear from various healers, musicians, visionaries, and educators. Get ready to experience transformational and inspiring storytelling, songs, chants, and interviews that will uplift your spirits, mood, and health. Welcome back to Sound Medicine, Mantras and Music. I'm your host, Gio. This week, we are very excited to have Glenn Phillips with us, who's been a pouring musician and songwriter for over 30 years, most well-known for his work and singing as the, as the lead singer in Toad the Wet Sprocket. And he has many solo records as well. He's been considered a national treasure. As a musician, his authentic, very real storytelling through music is is incredible and second to none. He opens up in this interview and shares freely about his experiences and his transformations, both on a personal level and on a level of deep musicianship. And I think you're really going to enjoy the interview. Uh, he also shares some songs with us from the past and the present, and uh, shares with us some of his transformations as a musician. At the time of the interview, he was sheltering in place with COVID, and we start off by uh, talking about how the, that's affected his, his touring and his livelihood. So enjoy the interview. Somewhere, it wants to be touring right now with like Bare Naked Ladies and like do a summer tour? Yeah. <laughs> Which sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, it would have been fun. But so, so all my touring work at solo tours that got canceled. Toad was going to be on the tour for two months right now. And then again in the fall and all of that's canceled till next year. Crazy times, really. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's all the life of a musician right now. Yeah, it's been sweet though to move, to get to spend time with, to get to move in and kind of be back in all the complexities of cohabitation and relationship instead of I had a good five, six years of, I got to always want to be where I wasn't. And then I got to go there and want to be somewhere else. And so mm -hmm. learned to like where I am, which is, I'm not used to. Well, and so you're, are you enjoying where you are now? I am. It's been really great. There's nothing wrong with it except my mind's desire to either live in the past or the future <laughs> i think that's just being human that's called being human for everyone you know but it's really you, you get good at what you practice and i practiced it really well and are you more of a live in the past or live in the future kind of mind uh i, I am a, a healthy balance of anything but now <laughs> like a swirl cone of past and future with just one little cherry of the like more of a current of, <laughs> of presence on the on the top well maybe we should start the podcast off with you playing a living in the present moment <laughs> oh, i could do that yeah seems appropriate yeah. let's do it so this is a. Uh, it's a Thich Nhat Hanh poem that Lawrence Cole wrote some music for, and uh, our mutual friend Zan funked it out one day when we were at uh, Oregon uh, Country Fair, and then I reharmonized the whole thing again. So it's it's this uh, little game of musical bat baton tossing. So. Mm -hmm. 
present moment I know that this is the only moment Dwelling in the present moment I know that this is the only moment Breathing in I come Body and mind Breathing out I smile I smile, breathing in, I call, body and mind, breathing out, I smile, I smile, dwelling in the present moment, I know that this is the only moment, dwelling in the present moment, I know that this is the only moment. Breathing in, I come, body and mind, breathing out, I smile, I smile. Breathing in, I come, body and mind, breathing out, I smile, I smile. And if you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to blow, and then you know for me to stay here. Got to be me. You'll never be in doubt. That's what it's all about. You can't take me for granted and smile. Now, now, I believe I'm gone. Forget me, Jimmy, by phone. Because I promise I'll be gone for a while. I'll be ready. Such a beautiful mantra. <laughs> it's a fun one. I, I love how that one developed too. It just, there, there's so many, I mean, the beautiful thing about uh, the community singing songs is they're, they're always different. They're really short. They're really modular. And they can go into the strangest, most unexpected places, like adding this line, <laughs> something happened spontaneously one day. And then the whole, just going to this is the only moment, this is the moment it happened spontaneously one day. And it, there's, I love all this uh, surprise that ends up happening. And yeah, they're fun. So good. Yeah. I mean, you can't help, but especially something like, like that song in particular, just feel better singing it this is this podcast is all about sound as medicine and i can't i believe a song like that is truly medicine that's the definition of it in my mind you know 
Yeah, and it's it's an interesting one too because and Lawrence Cole eventually gave it its gave it his blessing, but he was he was not necessarily pleased when he first heard it. I mean, he, the original version is dwelling in the present moment. I know this is the only moment, and it's very austere. It's much more Tikkun It's it's very meditative and soft. Yeah, and he heard. And he's like, what are you doing with my song? And and at the same time, this one gets into such an ecstatic, less meditative, much more ecstatic. It's a little more of a, a Sufi than a Buddhist jam, but but both work. <laughs> For sure. I mean, I mean, we can go off on a philosophical tangent with that kind of thought process, just because I come from a mantra background and a lot of the original teachers from like, let's say some of the teachings that go back thousands of years is like, you'll give like a general om, Omani Padme Hum, per se, which is a very just like repetitive mantra. It's probably the most practiced Buddhist mantra. But then you can make that really fun. I've heard people make songs out of that that are just like, it blows your mind away. And it's like, wow, that's incredible. Just like what you did. And, but the traditional teachers are like, mm, no, that's not going to bring you where you want to go. You know, like, well, I am where I want to go right now because I'm joyful and, you know. (laughs) Yeah, well, and if somebody, I mean, my background was sad songs and (laughs) like Uh. starting from writing songs that make you feel better because you feel less alone because someone else is feeling what you're feeling and which is one level of healing, right? It's just Mm -hmm. that you're not the first person to have been in the place you're in and when I discovered community singing and kind of these other modalities and kirtan can go, can become quite a party. I mean, it for sure ramp it up, but I suddenly realized, and after singing these sad songs for so many years, I had this experience of singing songs about like joy and it just brought me there. I was like, Oh, that's, Mm. it's kind of annoying that it took me so long to have discovered (laughs) that shortcut. (laughs) <laughs> well, I would like you to delve down that path a little bit more. So for people that are that are kind of listening, that are kind of, it, it can relate to what you're saying with the, listening to the sad songs or going down that mental path of should have been, could have been, my life is maybe not as good as it could be or whatever. The, the shortcut, can you talk a little bit about the shortcut? I'm curious what you mean. Well, meaning the shortcut is if you sing a song about gratitude and thanks, it takes you into gratitude. And it's, it's pretty simple. It's, I mean, at the same time, I like, I mean, in the pop or rock music world where I noticed it for a long time, I felt like I could write songs that felt artistically valid or like they felt authentic to me if I was writing about darkness. I really identified with the struggle of being a person and that I remember listening, you know, just happy songs like Walking on Sunshine. I got that it's an earworm, but it's this is happy. There wasn't a lot of depth. And I always noticed like listening to Van Morrison stuff. He can do a song like Brown Eyed Girl that is somehow both joyful. There's not a single line in it that is explicitly sad, but there's something in his character and his singing and something behind it that is informed by an understanding, not an ignoring of the difficulty of life, but but a, a choice to lean towards the light. And there's a weird edge in that, I think. It, it's part of my attraction to the way 
Buddhists talk about life is that they're not telling you to just, on the one hand, they're saying, stop complaining and smile. But the, on the other hand, they're saying like, they're admitting it's a process and it's a constant fight to keep yourself from going. You have to actually practice moving towards the light. And I think the first tenant is life is suffering. Is <laughs> and, and so, and so the, the, that's carried in the work. So it's not like a, a power of positive thinking, like, man, just shut out the negative and go to the positive. And there's something about holding the actual grit of life and not forgetting that as you're aiming towards the light that it is, is important. And that somehow you go from there, hopefully at best to maybe forgetting about the grit for at least long enough to remember what it's like to be really connected and then, yeah, come back and deal with more of the grit later. But I like that balance. And once again, this is more secular music world than... Right. No, totally. And well, it's interesting just talking about the human mind is that I think there's part of a lot of us that wants to justify our our emotions of of our dark emotions of some are feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling this way. So I have to justify it. And I even, I don't want to feel this way, but I want to share that I do and stay stuck in it. It's like part of us wants to stay stuck or has a hard time getting out or something. Yeah. I think there's that. I think also part of us just really wants to be witnessed. And mm, there's mm-hmm. an element of that, of when you're singing about uh, something that's difficult of just being heard understanding that you're not alone, understanding that, and that can go back to the earliest maternal, like, did you get picked up when you cried? Did you get held to the breast? Or was it a source of anxiety? And I think in, in those ways, that idea of kind of communion through those experiences. And a woman I went out with a while back asked me at one point, well, what God do you serve? Like when you're singing these songs, like they, the, I feel like over the last maybe six years, I've had a progression of, and which isn't to say I didn't write songs that were leaning more strongly towards the light before that, but I didn't have uh, a spiritual practice beyond kind of writing pop songs, right? And so that's where I'd work my stuff out. And then I started in the last six years singing more sacred music and singing more community singing music and these songs are of course purpose written to a different different criteria community singing stuff is written not to be heard but to be sung right it's written for a room full of people who are all participating and mm-hmm. all joining in and so they're by nature shorter easier to teach easier to learn repetitive uplifting there's a lot of Rumi and Hafiz and a Lawrence Cole's work, Lisa Little Bird, like people writing these songs that are specifically designed to lift the spirit in community with other people. And yeah, and medicine songs, other sacred music, they're they are written very specifically to be sung in a in a a very focused environment. And so realizing. I don't know that there were different modes of writing. I started taking, I feel, some inspiration back to the songs that I wrote as pop songs, trying to imbue them with that feeling and that effectiveness without necessarily giving away my sources or where I, I, I was a little scared of suddenly coming out in a hemp shirt and doing like a really medicine album or something. <laughs> 
<laughs> very, I've kept it really close to the chest. And, yeah. and I don't think, I mean, in the same way that I've heard, you know, I found out that artists are deeply devotionally Christian who I didn't know were. I knew there, and there's a difference in doing like praise music and kind of join the club religious music and then stuff that cuts to the heart of kind of humanity and, uh, and I don't know, and, and, you know, general prayerfulness. And I have my own weird ideas about what is prayer is and how it functions and whether it's towards anything that actually may or may not exist or not. I, I like to think it kind of doesn't matter if there's anything on the other side of a prayer. It's just gratitude's never wasted. Being grateful is healing and uh, just in and of itself. And so it doesn't really matter if there's someone on the other end of that phone for me. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy poetry as well. And I know Meister Eckhart said that, you know, if the only prayer I ever said was thank you, it would be enough, mm-hmm. which, which is, I think, kind of the essence of what you're saying. It's like, I, I gratitude. Anytime you're truly grateful, I'm feeling truly grateful. It is. You're naturally feeling just like, aligned and then unharmonious just by virtue of, of being gratitude just shifting our perspective into into that kind of state of of awareness can be healing yeah and so or aligning i mean in general i guess i've just had this progression of it's weird having come from a pop music background and in pop music you're given these metrics of success and worthwhileness and they tend to have to do with numbers in the public sphere being as large as possible and uh, yeah, you know, you, you get to the top of charts and sell more units and you know, more busting seats at your concerts, higher grosses, more, more and th- those are the markers by which your value is is given to you. And to have come from that world and then have to kind of reprogram myself out of that, and I found myself once again in more spiritual communities where there was. It was completely non-financial and I had to do music in these ways that were utterly removed from anything having to do with making a living for years before I, I kind of rehabilitated my own relationship with music. And then from there felt that I could write stuff that was, whether it's something joyful or whether it's something sorrowful and often a mix, right? You know, the songs, mm-hmm. sure. which are really, yeah. It's a great song. You know, good, I am good at crying music. I, I'm, I'm, I also have a lot of fun doing dancey, happy, everybody on their feet music, but I, I seem to, I have specialized in crying music for a long time. So, uh, but just for me to finally understand that healing was kind of the purpose of all of it, I'm not so much an entertainer as, you know, it's not kind of the music I, I tend to write, even though I've been in the entertainment business for a while. And so. It's been an interesting process, both to, to, to bring in music that I consider to be more healing to an entertainment-based audience, to an audience that I've gained through that entertainment industry, yeah. to try to make that accessible to them without like suddenly having a bunch of new AG signifiers that would put them off, like sure. and stuff that yeah. also works for me and works in, you know, so it's been a fascinating few years. Absolutely. Would you say that your transition has has kind of been more, without putting words in your mouth, maybe singing your, it's more important to you right now, maybe to sing with people rather than sing for people, something along those lines or? 
I like the combination. I mean, I've been touring for whatever it's been, 30, has it been 30 years? Yeah, a little over 30 years. I mean, I'm wow. 18, I'm about to turn 50. So it's, so I've been on the road doing this for a while, I guess, which is to say I've gained a certain expertise that I'm very happy with and that I like being able to live in the realm of that expertise and work when I can with people who've, you know, mastered their craft and mastered their instruments. And there's a certain dance that happens that's absolutely wonderful when that occurs. And then there's also times when I want to make music that has no barrier to entry and, and, or hybridize it, or at least when I'm doing one of kind of my solo concerts at this point, I find that the there's less barrier than I thought there was. I can bring in something that's a community singing song and it's somebody's favorite part of the night, or I can bring in a song mm. that like Serpent Skin or something that I would have thought might have been too far off the, the beaten path for people who were into 90s rock radio and they like that too. You know, it's like, so there's, I've worried more about the barrier than other people have. Mm. Um, but that, I don't know that I like it all. I mean, I had thought I'd wondered for many years about like non-performative musical experiences and how to do music that was more inclusive at a fundamental level. And so when I found through Lisa, when I found uh, community singing, that really blew my mind to see that there was this vast community a huge number of songs pre-existing that, that this thing I've been wondering about and trying to figure out how to puzzle together was, was already there in great abundance. And so it was really easy to do that. And I love doing my song circles, but then I love going off and playing a solo show and, or playing with a band or doing whatever. It, it, there's room for it all. That was a really long answer. <laughs> that's beautiful. I think that's the appropriate answer. I mean, it's just like, yeah, it, there's room for it all. That's a, that's a beautiful perspective. And I think one that we can all benefit from thinking about. And, and I think the expertise also feeds your ability. What's, what's weird, and I've been talking with a friend of mine, we're meeting tomorrow, and I've been trying to, I've been doing another thing I've been doing since COVID is started teaching lessons. So I'm teaching one guy, guitar, voice, songwriting, songwriting and mentorship and kind of creative process is my favorite thing to teach. But I'm also mm. new at the teaching part. And so pedagogy is its own thing, right? And I have friends who taught for a long time and they really know how to teach really well. And it's so interesting to do things with guitar where their muscle memory, they're so intuitive that I haven't thought about them for 20 or 30 years. And then somebody says, how do you do that? And I got to, I have to totally deconstruct it and head back and ask new questions. And sometimes it can take me a while, especially with technical guitar things. And so, but at the same time, I think there's this musical solidity people get where with something like choir leading, where just, I realized, you know, very quickly, like how much watching good song leaders, how deep their center of gravity and rhythm was, how much they held and brought other people into a rhythmic center, how much the cats would kind of start wandering and how they would very gently herd them all back into singing the same song and what a constant process that is and all the 
expertise you get by doing music in different ways, I think, you know, certainly plays into skills that are, are useful when you're, when you're working with just kind of natural voice musicians, untrained musicians. So. For sure. So you're, are you, you're telling me that if somebody wanted to get uh, some mentoring with you and music or some one-on-one coaching, you're available for that? Yeah, I've just started doing it. I'm trying to, I, I'm not going to be touring for the next year. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been doing more of that. And I really enjoy, I think, especially with songwriting, I think there's a lot of, and not that there's not, I mean, with anything, you know, this, it's always, even when you're addressing the body and the line, there's a spiritual aspect as well as a technical aspect, right? And so sure. you want to develop a technical aspect enough that you can express the spiritual aspect more fluently. And, and so in writing, I think there's a lot of instruction for writing pop songs and a lot of books on like how to write a hit. But the idea of I mean, for me, a large part of my songwriting process is having a dialogue with my my higher self or my future higher self. Like, what would I, as I'm in the middle of a difficult situation, what advice would my higher self give me now? Or what mm. would it have? Or how can I take the jumble and ambivalence of uh, you know, a human experience and kind of take that somewhere in a song without it being pedantic, without it being preachy or reading like a reading like a pamphlet, right? I, and th- that's all yeah. to, to part of it's people just saying, I just want to write a love song about like getting on my motorcycle and going to see my girl. And there are ways of doing that in effect. Like Bruce Springsteen wrote, damn, he wrote the shit out of that stuff and, and, and made it epic. Right. Uh-huh. And, and then there's also, I want to write a song about world peace and everybody getting together. And, and how do you not how do you write songs about that that don't feel, yeah, like a Hallmark card that have the strength? I mean, the reason we turn to the, the Sufi poets and these classic and, and very deep images is because they are, are so poetically potent. And then at the same time, every once in a while, you'll have all you need is love and it'll just work, right? <laughs> and so, so it's not to say that hitting something on the nose can't work, but it's an interesting thing to, to, to deal with how, yeah, what we want to write about and then what makes a, a good song. And I think also there's a lot for me in creative process of negotiating between the song I want to write and I've intended on writing and then the song that emerges. Mm-hmm. And there's often a lot of, I think the creative process is a lot of whack-a-mole or man, whack-a-mole is too negative. <laughs> it's, um, but it is a process of kind of heading in a direction. And then, you know, I'll be writing a song sometimes and one line will pop out and it's like, oh, my eyes will water up. And I know that that's, that's the line that the song's about. And then I have to mm-hmm. reassess if the thing I intended on saying actually has anything to do with that line, or is that line going to lead me in an unexpected direction for something that's far more valid. And I can get back to my original subject matter later. And that happens a lot. Can you give an example of maybe a song that maybe it was recent or maybe a little bit ago, whatever's coming to mind right now, but that you're like, that was the songwriting process for you and how it came and shifted and was inspired in that process and maybe play it for us? Yeah, I'll, I'll do... And this one is, is, once again, this is a sounds very straight down the middle. I'm in a 
a songwriting group with a guy named Matt the Electrician, who is a just absolutely wonderful songwriter and amazing human being, uh, lives in, in Austin, Texas. And he sends out, and I, I haven't been so good at it during COVID time, but he's not kicking anybody out. But he has a songwriting group where every Friday we he sends out a new title every Friday or Saturday. And you have to incorporate those words into a song and that it's uh, you. So every week, everybody writes a song with the same title and there's maybe a dozen, 15 of us and these songs pop up and the, and the titles in these songs lead me to places that I don't expect they will. And so Actually, right after my divorce, I was deciding I'm just going to make a really happy, danceable album, something I've never done and don't know if I'll ever (laughs) like to. I'm not going to write about any of this stuff in me. And then he started sending these titles. The first song I wrote, like after I knew my marriage was over, uh, he sent this title that was uh, Reconstructing the Diary. And it took me about half an hour and I wrote this song that was the first song I wrote about what I was actually experiencing. And then there was Leaving Old Town, Criminal Cur- There were all these titles that kept like, oh God, this, this makes me want to, I, I know what I need to write about. And is somewhere in that period. Is that how your latest album came out? Uh, many of the songs, the surprising number yeah. actually came from those titles hmm. and others came from elsewhere. But, but some of them did. And the, this song working the edge was, was kind of from that time. And I, I don't know why it ended up where it did. And it's kind of about naming the divine and kind of how weird it is to pray to something and kind of the earlier conversation. And I found myself writing this really straight, straight devotional song that I had no idea was in me. And this was at a time where I was still really identifying as an atheist. And I wrote this devotional song and it just came out of nowhere. And the title, the idea of working the edge, I think works in the concept is, you know, this, you know, once again, the, the negotiation with the more you try to define the ineffable, the less well you've defined it, right? Uh, you have to kind of define it enough to point in a direction, but then go, but none of that's really accurate. <laughs> and so I wrote this one and I completely shelved it. And then I was up with some friends in, uh, in Corvallis in Oregon and a friend was laying on the couch and I just picked up a guitar and sang it. And I hadn't even thought of it in, in years. And I was like, God, I got to start playing that song again. And so I played it more in, <laughs> community singing and kind of sacred yoga classes. I play it a lot. And my partner is a a yoga teacher. And so I'll play this a lot during Shavasana. And I play it in more, and I played it in a few of my regular shows too, but it came out of absolutely nowhere at a time where I was not feeling at all devotional. So there you go. So Is it just to claim you working the edge? When I praise you, does it please your ear? Is it all in the giving? 
la that and in your solo shows mm-hmm. yeah and what are you what are you saying there alhamdulillah which is uh it's arabic it's uh, like a form of hallelujah it's praise mm. 
Man, that is powerful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. It came interesting right after there were there were some period when I started playing that again as well, where there had been there had just been a shooting in a mosque and there, where there was this strong Islamophobia at kind of the high in the consciousness of America and being out and playing that not knowing not knowing what reactions would be in that yeah it, it was it was really moving moving to take that name of uh to use that name of god in those days and in that context i mean still is mm-hmm. so yeah so glenn i would love to circle back around to to song uh music as storytelling i was reading through some of your comments from some of your fans and um I mean, I don't want to blow your ego up too much, but I, I, I will share a few things in the context of storytelling just to, to share. Number one, your fans do have so much love and loyalty from, for you for decades. You know, I mean, that must feel amazing. It does. And, and honestly, these last few months in COVID where I was suddenly very unemployed, I wasn't sure I wasn't sure how I was going to get through this time. And it, it's kind of one of those things where the if you've given enough to people for long enough they they start giving back and uh spontaneously and even how can i say this i've been lucky in that i've had these or maybe it's not lucky i've had a lot of intermediaries for my professional life we got signed young and we only took recording advances from the record company we didn't like take a bunch of money and go buy lambos or anything and so we figured we were like we had this punk rock ethos and we wanted to earn what we made and and so i've had this very direct thing like i am worth exactly it's like people are willing to pay a ticket ticket pay this for a ticket and if i sell this many tickets i make this much money with what's left over after the expenses and you sell this many records or get this many streams, you know, streams less. So I made like $25 from Spotify last month, but there's, it's a very direct relationship and I never really had to set my own value. And so interesting Mm -hmm. going into things like teaching where people I know who do private yoga classes, therapists, anything. It's like, what's, what, what are you worth? And I get really squirrely when I'm faced with that question and I don't, want to i there's i've always felt there's something gauche about even with song circles part of it was i didn't want to get paid for a year but people started you know we ended we just did all benefits for a year and then i decided if i learned enough to do it for a year i could start asking to be paid as a teacher after that so the first year was just benefit stuff and even with the facebook stuff started doing benefits and then people started asking to pay me and I didn't want to have like my PayPal in the video. So it's off to the side and it's a very soft ask. The whole thing. The good thing is that there's enough people that with the soft ask, I'm making a living, which is really blown. Sorry, that was a long thing. It's like the comfort with that, with like, there is a reciprocity. You can't just give and give and not pay your rent. And right. And there's a real privilege, honestly, in having not had to set my price personally. What's an hour of my time worth? I ended up for lessons. I just said, I should make what my shrink makes. (laughs) 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 And I get her bargain rate. So my clients get my shrink's bargain rate. 
<laughs> my, my therapist bargain rate is my top rate for, for teaching. It's weird to do those things. I, I have like this idealism where I want to live in a barter society. I want people to come over to my hut and I want to chant my incantations over them and I want them to leave me a chicken. You know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I get that, you know, <laughs> or, you know, here's some beets and help rethatching your roof. I'm here for you, man. Like that, that totally works for me. And money, yeah, icky to me. Uh-huh. In any event, sorry, that's another long answer for a short question, which is to say, it's been kind of amazing how people have shown up and it's really, it's been heartening to see what it's meant to people and how deeply it's meant something to them and how willing they are to, to help me through this time. Totally. I mean, I do believe in the reciprocity of there. There's some energy of giving and receiving. That's a, there's a, I think however you want to phrase it, the universe has a perfect accounting system in some way that I don't need to keep track of. And it seems like you are in the space right now of receiving all the, in a way, so many gifts that you've been giving others for the years. Cause you have, I mean, if, some of your fans think like, this man is a national treasure. That's a pretty strong statement for, <laughs> for somebody, you know. And everything Glenn does is beautiful. <laughs> One of the best music storytellers ever. You know, that's for me, I bet for a musician, that has got to be one of the biggest compliments that you are one of the greatest storyteller music storytellers. That's that's what you're doing. You're a storyteller through music, right? I mean sometimes, yeah. In a way. Yeah. I mean, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those are, those are, I am, I am blushing over the audio waves, really kind comments. I mean, you know, and it's strange, you don't do this stuff for the reaction, but the reaction also really does help every once in a while. If you're wondering, especially as an artist, there's this question of like, cause I've known people who are narcissistic and deluded and uh, and, and I have a fear of being that, right? There is a certain navel gazing that comes around with the art of creation. And it's like, I'm just like jacking off all the time. Like, I'm really worried sometimes that that's where it's coming from. And, and it's once again, and especially coming out of the pop music world, I think it's once again, why it was so important for me to suddenly to find myself a few years ago, singing sacred songs and finding a connection to those and a value in songs I could write and add to those that were, that were meaningful to people in contexts where nobody knew my past at all. And mm-hmm. I, I needed to have a reevaluation of myself in the present tense without like my past hanging over me. And maybe that's, yeah. there's a bit of ego in that as well, but it also I think created the groundwork for some, hopefully some better work. Well, what, what, what's moving you right now? Like what, what are your projects that are, it sounds like community singing is something that's really moving you. And in terms of writing an album or writing music and that creative process here, they say the greatest teachers teach others, right? They're to become great teachers or teach themselves. And so it sounds like you're on that path. And is there, yeah, I think you've kind of hinted at a lot of things, but what's really like kind of stoking your fire around music these days? Well, Let's see. Uh, the project's Toad is currently, I, I had started on a um, solo record, which I decided to stop and move those songs over to the beginnings of a Toad record, just because that way I can play them on a solo tour. And I, some part of me had been taking some of my favorite songs and hoarding them for solo albums. And then I don't play them on the Toad albums. And 
uh, I don't play them on the Toad tour. So I figure I could just play these songs wherever I move them to Toad. (laughs) (laughs) We're working on a record and there's going to be, there's an older song that was attached to like a children's animated family movie that's going to come out soon. And then we have singles that are coming out every couple months. We'll release a new single and eventually have an album, hopefully coordinate that with touring again. Usually you like to release your record when you're touring, but we also don't want to be silent for too long. And in the process of um, getting ready for the Toad record, I ended up finding I had like a little folder that's like I had 25 extra songs sitting around. It's like, oh, I should do something. So <laughs> I want to put some of those into a solo record and maybe some of those will end up a few of them already ended up with Toad stuff and I'm still actively writing. And I also want to take a kind of a combination of songs that are more from kind of my sacred life. I think I'm going to put it out as a narrow valley uh, is, is my oh. band name it means a Glen is a narrow valley. <laughs> Beautiful. A glen. I'll call it a narrow valley. And um, that'll be a kind of combination of, Songs like Munai, Yote Yavare, Abre la Puerta, and a lot of English songs because I don't really speak Spanish. Uh, And so, um, uh, Munai, did I already say that? Uh, Serpent Skin, uh, some of the songs that I've written for community singing. And so, a combination of those. And and also, maybe, maybe if you, there's a song that I wrote uh, that was on a children's album called You Were Meant to Be Here that really tender, beautiful song that I'll probably do a version of that. And I may go back and do versions, songs that I'd done on solo records, like like there's a song called Gather that I've played a lot in Sacred Space. And that it's a great song. Thank you. That and that's another like you want to hear about a weird origin story. <laughs> I do. And it's, it seems like that song is appropriate for these times, at least when I hear the lyrics, but I tell yeah, share, please. Uh, that song was of all things written for uh, there was a, a documentary, uh, James Cameron was doing a documentary about Titanic oh, wow. and they had tempted in a song called Nightingale Song by my old band Toad and they wanted to use that and then they decided they couldn't afford it. And so they asked if I would write a song, a cheap song and Toad wasn't recording together at that, at that time. And they asked if I would write a song and I wrote that and I sent in a demo and they're like, it's a little far from from what we need for this scene. So then I wrote another song that was like scored to the scene that was all about heading out and going somewhere new because it's like, wow, the ship is taking off to the ocean. And so I had this song that was like, once again, written a little rhythmically towards something else, but was this lyric that I had no... Yeah, for the context of what I was asked to write, this is why I say like always... Don't follow the thing you wanted. Follow the thing that works. And it may not be useful at all to, to the thing you were heading out for, but if something works, never say no. And, mm, good advice. Yeah. Should I play it? Do you want that one? Yeah, please. I'd love Great. it. Let us be humbled tonight in these depths show us the light give us peace 
Laid down the mighty in these depths. Show us the light, babe. So God, pray, don't want to die before we breathe. Dive down inside and see me. By the mouth, find some key. Let us be humbled tonight in these depths. Show us the light, give us strength to lay down the mighty in these depths. Show us the light, babe. So God, pray don't wanna die before we be. The sea, maybe by the find some key. Oh, God, we hear my cry. Don't want to see another innocent die. Dive down inside these depths, keep my faith, hold my breath. The more we fight, the less it bends. Lay down your arms, gather your friends, strengthen your heart. This will end. Lay down your arms, gather your friends. 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 Gather your friends. Oh God, pretty, don't wanna die before we free. Dive down inside and see, baby, by the mountain something. Oh God, we hear my cry, don't wanna see another innocent die. Dive down to the deepest depths, keep my faith, hold my breath. Dive down to the deepest depths, keep my faith, hold my breath. Dive down to the deepest depths, keep my faith, hold my breath. Yeah. Wow. So that was written for the, that was the la- that last line part of the Titanic. What they asked for, dive down to the deepest steps. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that thread was. I guess that that thread was in like <laughs> as the submarine. But uh, that's yeah. So, so what does that song mean? What does that song like when you sing that? What's what's it mean to you at this point? Like, well, I mean, it changes. So, and that's. I think the thing about a song like that is is like this combination of specificity and and vagueness and so i mean yeah right now it's more about black lives matter it's more about this moment that the country is in of having to kind of reconcile its brutality i think for someone like me having to reconcile my privilege and this moment weeks before that and you know it's on top of coronavirus and all of that and a few weeks before it was more about that like how do we support each other be kind to each other you know this is whole together alone aspect of this that's you know really poignant these days how do we care for each other by keeping distance and how do we gather how do we how do we change our attitudes i mean for a month ago it was it was very that kind of edge of caution versus fear 
and caring for each other by taking care. And, you know, the mask is less so you don't get it, right? And more so you don't spread it if you don't know you have it. And there's some, it's, I always see the mask as not a sign of fear, but as a sign of care. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, how to kind of walk with that mutual concern for each other. And uh, yeah, but once again, right now, also this time of like, how do we, I don't know, how do, how do we actually make the systemic changes that have to happen? It's going to be really imperfect and going to take a while. It's going to be super complex, <laughs> like, like all things we do. Yeah. Indeed. And good things and massive change does take, take time sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, you hit upon the aspect, especially with that song and all the, the um, description you were talking about, how the relations of it is the universality of, of that song and songs in general. I, I mean, it, it keeps them timeless that you can, as if you can apply it to any time or multiple times, multiple topics, multiple people can and make it relatable. I mean, that that's certain songs just do stand this test of time. That could be one of them, really. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's got a it has a certain portability. I mean, you know, it's got God in it, which is attractive to some people, and then for different reasons, and pushes other people away as soon as you, you <laughs> mention that. I feel like God is such a broad field that I like I like playing in that field. Uh, it's a big sure. question, and people tend to think about God in such kind of binary Old Testament terms. Uh, it would just always weirds me out. I, I went from calling myself an atheist to going like, nah, God's everything. And then you're going to argue with me about that. You're just like, you're, you're pulling hairs. It's, it, it, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, we may have to save a topic of God for our, our next podcast. I don't know if we have time to delve into it. <laughs> I love it. It's one of my favorite topics. Yeah. Uh, I remember sitting in, um, I used to be part of the Chopra Center and I would listen to Deepak speak. And one day it kind of said a beautiful thing. It's like from a certain state of awareness, God is not hard to find. She is impossible to avoid, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like God everywhere, right? You know, it's just like, it's in the music. It's no matter where you look, what you think it's just like, and that's why the, what you made that point about that song, the, the labeling, it's so hard to label something that's universal and eternal and, this so how do you label something that's everything because once you once you say it's this then you leave out everything else mm-hmm. right yeah and, and it's, it's a strange it's a, it's a loaded word and i think i waited yeah. it for a while because it was loaded and then i decided to embrace it because it was loaded <laughs> <laughs> well i hope maybe one of these days you'll embrace uh coming out with a, a happy dance album we'll see it, it it's not a mode i write in a lot it's actually like a difficult thing for me to write. And it's interesting. I mean, yeah, it's difficult for me to write happy dance songs. But once again, if I do the narrow valley stuff and like dwelling in the present, people dance to gather and that. And, oh, for and, sure. And so, I don't know, maybe it's a happy dance album coming up. And I mean, there's, <laughs> there'll be some lower things in there too. Do do you have time to play one more Yote Yevre or do oh, you... yeah I could do that. I think that's a good one that I just always the first time I ever heard you sing that mm-hmm. I was just blown away. Yeah. I mean yeah, just your voice with the song just so so great. Thanks. Yeah, we try it out. 
Eu te levarei, eu te levarei, eu te levarei no coração. Eu te levarei, eu te levarei, eu te levarei no coração. Eu te levarei, eu te levarei, eu te levarei em canção. Eu te levarei, eu te levarei, eu te levarei em canção. Medicina, 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 ensina-me. Medicina, 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 ilumina-me. I will carry you, I will carry you, I will carry you on my skin. And I will carry you, I will carry you, I will carry you. So deep within, and I will carry you, I will carry you, I will carry you down in my soul. And I will carry you, I will carry you, I will carry you everywhere I go. Medicina, 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 ensina-me. Medicina, 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 ilumina-me. Eu te levarei, eu te levarei, eu te levarei no coração. Eu te levarei, eu te levarei, eu te levarei no coração. Eu te levarei, eu te levarei, eu te levarei no coração. Eu te levarei, eu te levarei, eu te levarei no canção. Medicina, 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 ensina-me. Medicina, 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 ilumina-me. Eu te levarei, eu te levarei, eu te levarei no coração. Eu te levarei, eu te levarei, eu te levarei. En corazón. Thank you. Love that song. And so appropriate for this podcast. I'll carry you in my song. There you go. Yeah, thank you. And um, how can you remind uh, our our listeners how to how to contact you? How to how to find out where you're playing, whether it's online or once you start doing live events again. And then if I know there's going to be many that want to learn from you and maybe do some mentoring and coaching. Uh, can you tell them how to find you? And we'll send a link up as well. Mm-hmm. Easiest way to get me is via email. I'm old fashioned that way. Uh, <laughs> Glenn at glennphillips.com. Glenn with one L, Phillips uh, with two L's. And I'm on Facebook, Glenn Phillips, Glenn Phillips Music. I think I'm Glenn Phillips Music on Instagram. I almost never update. I'm terrible at social media. And it's been fun. Like Me in too. the time I've I've been making my living by doing these Facebook live things, but I I basically can't even look at Facebook unless I'm setting up a show or playing one. <laughs> so I, I wish there was some less evil ecosystem I could be a part of uh, that would allow me to do the same thing. <laughs> um, mm. In any event, yeah. So those are the normal places: Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Glenn at glennphillips dot com. Yeah, people are interested in. Um, like some kind of songwriting singing work. I'm 
I'm around. That sounds amazing. And maybe even in the future, we can do a little podcast on, on the songwriting. I think that's an incredible topic. And I can say, see that you're like, you're passionate about the creative process, which I, that aspect of creativity is, it's like a life force, for, as I think. It's just incredible. Yeah. And there, there's a part of it, like I've been beating myself up for, and I think it was Lisa who said it at some point, like, you know, it's like, I don't have a, you know, it's like, do more yoga now. I haven't been meditating regularly. It's like, I don't have a spiritual practice. And it's like, well, but you sing every day and you write all the, you write music all the time. I'm like, does that count? Yeah. <laughs> great. <laughs> I win. <laughs> I never get, it was just this thing I did. And so it's been interesting to kind of patch into it and, and even, yeah, give it, give it a little, credit for what it is because it's, it's a really beautiful path and 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 a fascinating one too because it's and it, it contains just singing itself um does so much to kind of align the mind and the body and the vagus nerve and it's breath work already you're doing these things about your relationship with your body and you know remembering lyrics paying attention to pitch and rhythm and breath and doing all these things simultaneously you haven't yeah. done it before. It really is the patting your head and rubbing your stomach. And it's, it's a beautiful and really rewarding practice. And the great thing is you can just, you can carry it wherever you want. So. Absolutely. And I can't imagine a better teacher and mentor for music and song and life. So thank you, oh. Glenn, really for being part of this and being just an awesome human being and really value you. And I know all our listeners do thank as well. It's a real pleasure. If they've listened to you for an hour and 10 minutes, they they value you. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I'm just going to... Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Sound Medicine, Mantras and Music. If you are enjoying the podcasts, click subscribe. To access other episodes, more interviews and music, please visit our website at www.mantrasandmusic.com. That's www dot m-a-n-t-r-a-s-a-n-d-m-u-s-i-c dot com join us next thursday for the release of our newest episode thanks again for your support see you next week are interested in all the benefits of performing your own 40-day mantra discipline, then be sure to visit the podcast webpage at mantrasandmusic.com and sign up for Geo's premier online training course titled Ultimate Chance Mantra Meditation Course, offering valuable guidance for anyone wanting to increase abundance, enhance health, overcome obstacles, reduce stress, gain clarity, and advance personal goals. You will be guided step-by-step by by Geo to complete a 40-day powerful practice of mantra in a clear, fun, and easy-to-follow program.